Welcome to a new save station report where this week we will be tackling a new amiibo for Skyward Sword, some troubles over at IGN, and potentially time splitters coming back among many other topics. This week we will also be talking about satisfying game mechanics as our big topic. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. I'm your host Dustin and with me is Connor. Hello there. Hi, uh, and, and I lied, actually. First, I, we need to do some uh, uh, some house cleaning. If this episode sounds a little bit different, uh, I, I am using Audacity today. I don't normally do it, and I am bad at it. So just a heads up on that. Uh, there are also like, a bunch of people at my house. It's, it's wild right now. So apologies in advance if, if this episode's a bit messier than normal. Though with this show, they're, they're kind of all a little messy. So hopefully you guys don't mind too much. Uh, so yeah, why don't you kick us off? What have you been playing this week that you want to talk about? Um, I just want to do a quick one first. I want to talk about Link's crossbow training. <laughs> um, earlier this year, I played Twilight Princess for the first time, and my entire playthrough of Twilight Princess, I was like, oh wow, it's just like that one level from Link's crossbow training, because uh, I played this game as a kid and I loved it. Uh, and then never played Twilight Princess until recently. So I dipped back into Link's crossbow training and it's pretty fun, you know, getting the precise shots with the Wii zapper. Zapper's a little weird to hold, especially if you're a bigger person like I am. It's kind of designed for smaller children. <laughs> but yeah, getting precise aiming with the um, sensor bar is pretty great. Uh, I love the the environments and sort of finding the little secrets in the rail shooting levels is always pretty fun. And the game's only like half an hour long. So it's, it was a good time. Yeah. It was like, they made that, they made the zapper and they were like, Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> here's some toilet princess environments, I guess. Well, I think they wanted to do a, like a sequel to twilight princess, kind of like Majora's mask was, but they, we're put on doing a zapper game and they're like okay listen do a zapper game you could do zelda stuff there uh if and then we'll play test it and if people hate it then you don't have to work on it at all and then they play tested it and people loved it and they're like oh okay well i guess you have to do the zapper game now <laughs> and i think it was miyamoto during the development of that was like no boss fights you can't put boss fights in our rail shooter uh eventually there are, there is two boss there's two boss fights in the game, so <laughs> they, Weird. you know, they fought back on that. But yeah, I remember enjoying crossbow training a lot too. Uh, but I also really loved Twilight Princess back in the day, so you know. Yeah, as someone who played them in the opposite order, it was still pretty great to play. So what a weird thing you did. <laughs> well, I was a kid. <laughs> um, the the games on on my playlist it probably looks like I haven't updated this for a couple of weeks because I've just been playing the same stupid series, um, so we'll we'll save the new game for last. But I picked up and played through uh, Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus, which is kind of the last mainline uh, game I needed to play before Rift Apart comes out next month. And into the Nexus, it was released on PS3 in 2013, I believe, so pretty late PS3 game. I think the PS4 was out or close to coming out, so I think a lot of people missed it. This would be the reason why it's super expensive to find a physical copy now. Yes, I haven't checked on that since uh, since they said they were keeping the stores open. Uh, hopefully, that went down a little bit because it was like, yeah, it was it was stupid. <laughs> it's a stupid amount of money. Uh, so what it is is it's essentially a smaller ratchet experience, uh, 
last a couple weeks ago i talked about a quest for booty if you remember that um which is very much like a two hour like downloadable thing very much felt like dlc for tools of destruction uh this is this is a lot more substantial than that but it still doesn't feel like a you know like a full full game i think originally it was sold for 30 bucks so that makes sense um well nowadays it looks like it's about 60 so that's still expensive it was it was more expensive uh later so i'm glad it's gone down a little bit but yeah uh i'm gonna actually pick that up physically that's stupid i shouldn't do that but uh yeah i'd say it's about uh five-ish hours maybe um like about six levels uh there are larger environments though than typical ratchet levels so there's that um it though i like it it feels very bite-sized and very digestible like it's very easy to 100 percent it um you know it is ratchet and click from the ps3 era which means characters and stuff are charming it's still dealing with all the sort of retconny stuff that that era of ratchet and click did to the ps2 ones so the story does feel a little haphazard uh but i enjoyed it it introduces new villains which I like and appreciate because the series does kind of have a problem where they like to use nefarious over and over again. So having some new villains is cool. nefarious going to be in the new one? Yeah, he's the all right. He's the robot guy. He's fun. He's just you know, they just it, it's a fun wacky world. So I'm like, eh, do do some more. <laughs> um, but but yeah, the the villains here are fun. It, it's it's ratchet gameplay. Uh, the only major difference between this one and almost every other ratchet game you can play right now is the frame rate. Most Ratchet games are kind of known for being a rock-solid 60 uh, and feeling really good. This one is 30 base, and then there are moments when it drops pretty significantly. And I will say Oof. that does have an effect on the gameplay, uh, unfortunately. Especially during the last boss fight. The last boss fight was framey as hell. Not completely detrimental, but just something to note. Uh, it's, it's also weird. It's like this one, and then Russian Clank PS4 2016 was also 30. Uh, when it launched, but now obviously it's 60 on PS5. But yeah, uh, Ratchet Clank into the Nexus. Fun, shorter game. Uh, glad I played it. I, I assume Rift Apart will have some callbacks to it. You know, I wish these games were all available on PS5 so I didn't have to break out my PS3 to play it, but whatever. Uh, I, I had a good time uh, you know, playing with those weapons and such. Nice. Well, yeah, I still need to get into the series so <laughs> yeah yeah you do what else is on your playlist this week uh so now dustin looking at this list might think i typoed majora's mask hd like i was supposed to type majora's mask 3d uh no this is i i typed that intentionally uh i played essentially what is majora's mask hd the this is right. We talked about obvious... Twilight Princess already. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. The I also played Ocarina of Time not too long ago on the 3DS, and so I was like, oh, I want to play Majora's Mask again because I usually do that probably every year. And I was like, well, I could play the N64 version because that one controls better. They did some really bad like control messing with in the 3ds remake that makes it feel worse uh like deku link's water hopping is the speed is capped really low so it's really hard to actually jump and then stuff like zora link has the fast swimming from the original but it now costs magic to use 
so no one's going to use it, and you are stuck with the slow swimming that they added. Oh, just so, in case, because I don't know if it was said. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, just in case somebody Yes, it is know. a Zelda game. Yeah. <laughs> um, can never assume. I just... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, Twilight Princess, also a Zelda game, in case you were confused. So... The 3DS version has its issues. It also added some cool things like the updated Bombers Notebook and uh, the ability to play the song of double time and skip to a specific hour rather than just to the next 12-hour mark. So there are benefits to both versions. I'm like, I don't know what version I'm going to play. So, But then I heard about Project Restoration, which was a project made by uh, Leo or Leo has an accent on the e that threw me um he's a zelda reverse engineer he did some reverse engineering for breath of the wild and to allow for like modding stuff and then some work on the dolphin engine as well and he did this entire project restoration which is a mod of the 3ds version to fix the things that they changed to like the things that they changed worse and then also adds some more quality of life things like mapping all the transformation masks to the D-pad, which the 3DS version just didn't use the D-pad buttons for some reason. Oh, this sounds and then, awesome. Yeah, it is so great. And the 3DS version also did a couple things where they like dumbed down some of the puzzles to just like make it more accessible, but therefore more limiting. So like the ice arrows you can use on water to make water pla- like ice platforms. In the 3DS version, there's sparkling spots, and those are the only places you can use them. So it's like that kind of just takes all of the challenge or the fun out of it. Oh, weird. So they they fix stuff like that, and then they fix the inverted song of time and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. So I played this also. I played this on an emulator, so I could then bump it up to a full 1920 by whatever resolution on my HD monitor, <laughs> and then uh, as well there is a another mod that you can get that adds HD HUD textures and it adds it to the top screen so that you don't really have to have the bottom screen open. Um, I still had it small in the corner so I could look at like the map and whatnot, but your HUD elements can be on the main screen. So I loved this version. I absolutely adore this game. I think it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. And I can easily say that this is probably the definitive way to play it. Um, it takes all the best elements of the th- N64 version, all the best elements of the 3DS version. It adds some more nice stuff on top of it. So, yeah, I loved this. I This was the first time I've 100%ed the game in a long time. The last time I did that was when 3D first came out. So, yeah, uh, highly recommend the project restoration version of Majora's Mask. This might be something I seek out. This sounds rad. Is there anything yeah, similar it's... for Ocarina? No. So I so there is a question from one of the frequently asked questions is are you going to do something like this for Ocarina? And he was like, "No, because one, I don't super care and two, it doesn't really need it. Like Ocarina of Time, the 3DS version, is pretty similar to the N64 version, but just adds right. some helpful stuff. Faithful. Yeah, whereas Majora's Mask actively broke things that worked in the original, so that's why it needed this restoration. 
Um, I'm sure someone out there has probably, I haven't really looked, but there might be like an HD textures mod for it if you want to play it on an emulator with higher resolution. So um, that option's still there, but there isn't like a complete overhaul like this one. Okay. Okay. That, that might be something I see. I still have not played Majora's Mask, which I think we talked yeah, about a couple so. weeks ago. And still a big hole in my Zelda. Like for a series I absolutely love almost every entry in. I did not touch that one. Uh, yeah, this might be a good way to play it then. Uh, why don't you talk about your last game? Because, yeah, let's save Resident Evil for last. Cause, uh, yeah, so... It's a big new release. My, my last game is a, one I've talked about on the show before. is Castlevania Order of Ecclesia. Uh, I bought this at our game store. It's one of the expensive DS Castlevania games. But I took a break from it to play some other things, and I came back to it. And I ended up really liking this. Uh, I said before that it was weird because it's a bunch of like segmented levels that have slight Metroidvania level design, but they're really small and contained so that you don't really get lost or there's not a whole lot of branching stuff. Uh, All of that changes in the second half of the game. (laughs) Oh. Like the last level technically is a full Metroidvania map. So... (laughs) All of like the little levels before it are kind of just building up to this, and then you have a full map to explore. And I thought that was really cool. There's a secret that has two super difficult bonus areas that are really challenging but pretty rewarding. Um, I ended up just 100%ing the game because I got to the end and was at like 99.6% complete, and I'm like, ah, sure, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it does a lot of really interesting things with your like actual loadout where something like symphony of the night you could equip two different weapons to your hands and then it's like okay but i kind of just want the same one if i'm going to do that or i'll just have the other one mapped to a shield and then never use it this one you can mix and match them but if you put the same weapon on both hands then it gives you the option to use a super attack with it so And then you can also have three loadouts that you can swap quickly between. So it really encourages using different things. All of the enemies also have different weaknesses and resistances. So you have to kind of play around that. And yeah, I thought it was, it was a good time for sure. Um, I would not recommend hundred percenting it because a couple of the side quests are extremely dumb. (laughs) Uh, One of them, one of them requires you to get an item from a specific enemy and the item has a 1% drop rate. <laughs> um, so you'll just be grinding that one enemy for a while. And then another one requires you to get an item that appears at one of, at the end of either of the super hard bonus levels. But it's not a guaranteed that it's going to be at the end. So if you don't get the item, you have to do the whole thing over again to try and see if you get it again. So you have to end up doing the super hard bonus level over and over again um so yeah probably don't 100 percent it unless you're crazy into it like i was but yeah it was a good time nice do you think we're gonna get those games packaged together anytime soon man i i don't know about the ds ones just because there's some like i feel like that would be a little bit harder to do and i don't know if they want to put that much effort into it work not just building an emulator yeah, but not to imply would, that building an emulator isn't work. Is it's it? easy, yeah, but like there's a lot of resources out there rather than rebuilding the game to work yeah. on one screen. Uh, I would love to just get 
the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance ones. Which I think the Game Boy ones actually might be on the existing anniversary collection. I think they are. Because there's that there's that like weird Kid Dracula one I remember people talking about. Yeah, that's um yeah, Kid Dracula. I don't know if um I think By the way, we're talking about they put out a Castlevania collection a couple years ago on Switch and stuff. Yeah, an anniversary collection, which has Castlevania Bloodlines, which is like the most expensive Sega Genesis game ever, which is super good. The Yeah, I think it has Castlevania 1 and 2, but it doesn't have Castlevania Legends for Game Boy. Hmm. So that one and then the three GBA ones I would love to have because those are also expensive. GBA stuff in general would be nice to just have available. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the systems that's kind of been forgotten about. Like, you know, occasionally we'll get something. But... Yeah, like the Mega Man Z and ZX series. Yeah, Battle Those Network, were... right? That's one of them too. Yeah, we got the Z and ZX Legacy Collection, which has the GBA and the DS ones, but uh, not Battle Network just yet. Okay, well... I, I'm glad to hear Castlevania worked out well, especially since that was not a cheap buy. <laughs> no, I bought just the cartridge for $60. So. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's a rough one. Well. All right, here's the new one. While you were doing that, I was playing Resident Evil Village. Resident Evil Tall Lady. Tall Lady. There is a Tall Lady in it. Uh, so Resident Evil Village, I think the best way i could talk about it is reference the older uh, older titles um particularly so it is a follow-on from seven which if you played that it's a first person game they they kind of changed it up uh the view and and sort of focused more on the horror elements of it seven i still think seven is one of the most stressful video games i've ever played (laughs) like the horror intention of that game is kind of amazing um but 8 feels like a cross between that, between the first-person perspective and some of the horror mixed with some of the ridiculousness and silliness of 4. Like, it really is trying to straddle the line there with Resident Evil, which I find very interesting. I don't think, like, if you're coming here for scares and spooks, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're going to be super thrilled with it. There's definitely one section that I thought was fucked up. <laughs> uh, but... Other than that, it is kind of more of an action game, which I'm a little surprised because 7 was such a pull away from that style of Resident Evil. Um, to see them kind of return to a more action-focused thing is... It, it's interesting. I feel like Resident Evil is a series that like is never going to be consistent. <laughs> They're like, No, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, good news is, though, I like the action of it. Uh, yeah, it's... So, yeah, it's a survival first-person shooter uh, horror game. Uh, You were playing as Ethan Winters, who was the the character from Seven, uh, which, again, I think this also might be the first time we've ever had, like, back-to-back releases with the same protagonist in Resident Evil. Um, Yeah, they tend to jump around characters, too. I guess technically Six had, like, three campaigns, so it's kind of cheating, because Five, you were playing as Chris, and then you had a Chris campaign in Six. So I guess that counts, but, yeah. So uh, they... They did it one third. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is directly story related to seven, uh, to the point where I'd say you should probably play seven before you play this if you want to. Um, Which is good because seven is extremely available and pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's it's available on uh, that 
PlayStation Collection too if you have a PS5. Um, so yeah, Play Seven. It's very good. Um, so let's see. So I guess I'll start with there with this narrative. The narrative is stupid as hell. <laughs> it is so stupid. Um, it's very fun though. So don't go into this expecting. Because I, I feel like Seven, it, it had its stupid moments, but they were taking it a little bit more seriously. Now we're back to full-on stupid Resident Evil, which I love. I, I love you some good, dumb Resident Evil. Um, it's the kind of plot where it would be resolved if one character would just talk to another, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it's that. That could be frustrating, but if it's cheesy enough, then you're like, all right, oh, whatever. Oh, it's so cheesy. Um... I think that's kind of what Resident Evil has always tried to be, especially since like the first game where it's like, we want to just be a cheesy Hollywood thriller movie in a video game form. So I, I just kind of like that they kept rolling with that. Obviously they have other games, but like that's kind of the vibe I get from it. Yeah, totally. It, and it has a very fun twist. I, I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> That I obviously won't give away here. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I Ethan Ethan's character I actually ended up really liking, and I hate like for the first for almost all of seven and the first half of this game, I really don't like him. I find him annoying, I find his voice acting bad. But halfway through the game I was like, wait, no, they're just going cheesy with it. <laughs> like Like this this feels intentional now, and he just starts like dumbass one liners and shit. Like it's it's great. I I love it. Uh, yeah, it's not quite as gross or as gory as Seven. Some of that stuff's still there, but like, it's not like Seven was so oppressive with all that. Um, again, this is a lot more actiony. Um, instead of doing like that sort of backwater American thing, now we're onto like gothic horror. So you know, if you if you like something like Bloodborne or I guess Castlevania, like you're gonna get those vibes here for sure. Um. And I gotta say, props to Capcom's marketing because before this game came out, I was a little worried they'd showed us the whole thing. It's really only they really only showed everybody like the first couple hours. Uh, there's there's a lot of surprises in there that if you're going to pick it up, don't don't look up anything. Like I was constantly like shocked at like what they were doing and like what was up next. I wasn't expecting it, and that was really cool. Yeah, well, and I also love that they're when they released that demo at least the one I played, it was just not even the same, like not even story important. <laughs> yeah. That was the so, first like, one on the maiden. Yeah. You just don't even get spoiled by the story. <laughs> you just get to see kind of what it's about. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I, I really like it. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's shorter. It's on the shorter side. It took me 13 hours to get through it. My first time through. Um, but in traditional resident evil fashion, very much encourages New Game Plus replaying it over and over again. Like through my second playthrough, I was, I had a machine gun with infinite ammo. There you <laughs> so, go. You know, no horror That's anymore. Evil. <laughs> now, uh, no more werewolves. They don't. They don't touch me. Uh, yeah. So it, it it's pretty stupid and like in a fun way. I really appreciated that. The only thing I will, I will say negatively because of the first person view, the camera's very tight in. Like it has a very low FOV. Which, for me, is fine. The only place where that becomes a problem is when you're fighting larger enemies and they back you into a corner. 
and then like they'll attack you and you'll fall over and your whole screen will just be like moving nonsense because the enemy's on top of you it could be really disorientating every once in a while but other than that i i really enjoyed the experience um i mean to this being resident evil 4 it's there's obviously a bunch of homages to that game um clearly from even the vis the village and the castle like Resident Evil 4 was meant to take place in Spain. This is Romania, but they still, like, dress it up. So you're like, oh, I get it. I get what you're referencing here. Um, there's a merchant oh, the in this game. Oh, and the shopkeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, yeah, which no other Resident Evil game has done. Uh, the merchant rules. I love him. <laughs> he's he's great. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil. It's it's really good. I Don't get spoiled on it. Like, there's a lot of fun, dumbass surprises in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would just say don't expect a full-on horror game this time. It is way more action-y. But, yeah, I I recommend it. I, I like it a lot. Um, but speaking of dumb side quests that prevent you from 100% of the game, there was a trophy in this game that sucks. It's called Lucky Number 7, and it wants you to have exactly, I think it's 777 or 7,777 currency in your inventory. But, oh, it's one of those. Yeah, but there's no item you can buy and sell for just one currency, so you have to, like... Or three currency. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a bad trophy. Um, so there's no way to, like... You just have to get lucky. It sucks. So I will not be platinuming this game purely because of that one trophy. <laughs> you just have that 90... 90 some percent on your account oh not even the mercenaries it brought back mercenaries mode which is very fun but i'm also very bad at it which is like resident evil's arcade mode yeah arcade horde mode i guess it was before horde, horde mode when they introduced it <laughs> but yeah uh yeah great game well with that let's talk about some news um i'm actually going to skip forward to the second one just to get it out of the way because it's a little more serious. Uh, T. Have you been keeping up with this IGN and Palestine stuff that's happening? Um, not super closely, but it was kind of a mess from what I could tell. Yeah, so obviously I just want to stay um, up front. If you're not paying attention to the news, there's... War crimes happening right now, uh, the people of Palestine, and I think our hearts go out to to those individuals. And uh, you should seek out charities and give. Um, there are civilians being killed and displaced. It's it's awful over there. Uh, so, like when these things happen, people want to tend to try to make a difference and and do good. And uh, one of those things was IGN. Uh, IGN put up a, and I'm sorry, I lost my window. <laughs> uh, last week, IGN put up an article uh, with a bunch of links to a bunch of different charities, saying, "Hey, can support you know these people. Here's what's happening. You know, here's charities. Here's ways in which you could donate. There's like a Doctors Without Borders. There's a specific charity to um, helping displace Palestinian children. You know, good shit all around." Uh, that article was circulated, and lots of people were celebrating it. Um, I saw, and it was it was kind of a wonderful, cool moment because people were like, I, I never would have expected, you know, IGN, a, a a pretty big site, 
to, to do something like that. Um, like, I think it was a day or two later, that article and the tweet promoting it were removed without warning and with no explanation. Um, and, and then that Sunday night, like in the middle of the night, a statement was posted on behalf of IGN, uh, basically apologizing for the article and basically implying, it basically said something to the effect of, this implied we were taking one side over the other in this conflict. Um, Which would have been good. (laughs) There is clearly a good side at least, but like, yeah, that's super shit. And it was kind of implied or at least directly stated that it was their parent company that did that, not necessarily. No, it wasn't. So in that statement, it said, and I forget what the wording is, I apologize, it should have in front of me, but it basically implied that the editorial team had written that statement, which is where a lot of these problems are stemming from. Um, Spoilers, they did not. (laughs) So, uh, so yes, so lots of their employees have uh, decided to speak out and write an open letter to the management. And basically through that, we learned, yeah, it's their parent company, Ziff Davis and J2, um, kind of forced them to take away that statement. And then, you know, wrote that, wrote their sort of statement on the whole thing, playing it was the editorial staff and applying that basically spoke for the people who were there, um, which is fucked up for a whole host of reasons. (laughs) Um, you know, not the least of which, you know, it's a, there's a horrifying, there's horrifying things happening now. Somebody was trying to do something good and then this all happened. Uh, but also as many people have pointed out, it damages sort of the, the integrity of journalism as a whole, uh, to have, you know, your parent company come in and and just take a story down regardless of content. Yeah, because they don't because the corporate side of it doesn't like stirring things up because it hurts their profits like that's kind of that's super messed up and yeah it doesn't it sort of just censors what they're what the journalism is saying yep 100 percent um and, and you know i i i do want to end this in a positive and say i have fucking like this has given me a new level of bad respect for everybody who works at IGN, um, specifically IGN, not the parent companies. Because um, you can go look at that open letter. We'll have a link to it uh, in there. But you can scroll down. You can read it. It's pretty lengthy and it's good. You should read it. Uh, but at the bottom, they have all these people who signed it. And it's a pretty big list of people. Um, you know, editorial people, people who are hosts for that website. Um, I also saw people saying, hey, it's not just them. It's also like engineers and artists who work for them too so like you know it's pretty clear the the lines here are pretty clear in terms of like nah the employees of your site do not want you to take that down they did not want that statement you totally forced this on them um we do not know the outcome of all this yet that open letter was posted last week or yeah the end the beginning of this week and they said we want a meeting about this by friday by friday we want to discuss you know putting this stuff back up uh, we haven't heard about the week. I just suspect we won't hear about this stuff till Monday, how that's resolving. Um, hopefully it goes well. I, you know. Yeah, but yeah, definitely mad respect for all the people that are listed there. Well, yeah, and it's important too. Like, those people are risking their jobs. <laughs> like, 
by doing Yeah, they're that. going against their money maker. They're the people giving them the money, so their money maker and also like unfortunate as it is, even though we can all see it in front of our eyes. It, this is by the way, I have I, I I got to admit full ignorance here on the Palestine Israeli stuff. Like this past week has been the first time I've been truly learning about it. Uh, the U.S. apparently has had this just whole, like, we support Israel, no questions. Like, it is controversial to say otherwise. And so, seeing all these people speak up about this stuff has been very heartwarming, learning about all that, and learning about how, yeah, people could lose their jobs over this, and, like, that's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, just mad respect yeah, to them. Good, good on them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, some lighter, cooler news. Um, time splitters might be coming back. Uh, I have never played time splitters. I'm pretty sure you haven't either, right? No, I recognize the name, but I have not played it myself. Yeah, I haven't either. I've always heard it as reference to like, hey, if you like Halo, time splitters is also another console shooter that is very similar, that is very good. Um, so that's all have how I've always known it. Uh, but looking into the stuff, it's got a pretty interesting lineage. Uh, so it turns out Time Spinners is kind of the sequel to GoldenEye 007. <laughs> um, huh, wild. Yeah, so it's a lot of the key staff members from GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, I suppose from Rare, split off to make Free Radical Studios, who made the Time Splitters games, the Time Splitters trilogy. Um, and so a lot of people are like, those are those are sequels to those games, basically. If you like those games, you'll like these. Um and they're pretty well regarded. Like, I've never heard anybody say anything negative about them. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good stuff about Time Splitters 2 specifically, but. Yeah, totally. And it's just one of those things where they haven't been available in a modern sense, like, ever since since that generation. So, yeah, because these came out on what? GameCube? Xbox? Mm hmm. Yep, that era. Um, so, a couple years ago, TH THQ Nordic acquired that license like every other license that exists <laughs> and yeah, so it's just, why not just yeah eat it up yeah they they love to eat dead franchises um so you know it, this isn't surprising because they have been bringing back weird stuff you know we got that weird spongebob game from them it's kind of their thing right now but this appears to be not just because so what they've done is they've created, they've reformed Free Radical, which is cool, with the original founders. Like, they're taking that name back, uh, which is really dope. And it seems like they're going to be developing a new one, or at the very least, a complete remake. So that's that's just really cool. That's positive. I want to play the series, so I, I can't wait for yeah, that. Yeah, that's exciting. And I hope that it, that's a good situation like they don't they're not just roping the founders in to be like make us a game uh which it doesn't seem like they're doing but yeah i hope that all goes well i'd be excited to play time splitters again so yeah i mean i can't imagine that that's the case right like you have people who were developing goldeneye 007 i'm sure they could just be like yeah whatever no <laughs> if they thought it was a bad you know i don't want to presume anything but this seems like a good story at least from the outside yeah, for sure. Do you uh, want to talk about this new Amiibo? Oh, God. <laughs> so this was unveiled not too long ago. I think just this past week. Um, this is the Zelda and Loftwing Amiibo for Skyward Sword HD. Uh, so it's really... 
yeah, yeah. First, yeah. Sorry, go continue. You were gonna say what I was. Yeah, gonna say. I think it looks really, really cool. Um, it's got both Zelda and the Loftwing on the single on the same figure. It might be a little bigger than the rest of them, but yeah. So uh, apparently, the functionality in Skyward Sword HD is that you can at any point in the game talk to Fi and say, or Fee or whatever. Uh, you could talk to her and say scan an amiibo and if you scan this one it will let you fast travel back to the sky which is normally something that you can only do from save points right um so if you have not been following the skyward sword you know thing since it was announced it's an HD remaster of, of the wii game from back in the day this is this has not been received positively. <laughs> uh, you could probably guess why. <laughs> because yeah, it is... because it's it's a really cool feature, and it's like, oh, why is that not received positively? It's because it's locked behind this figure, which, since it's slightly bigger than the rest of them, it costs twenty five dollars rather than the sixteen that amiibos usually cost. Yeah, so more expensive than normal amiibo for a legitimately needed quality of life feature for that game. Um, yeah, if you never played that game, it's not... It's a good game, but, like, it's got a lot of problems, and a lot of those have to do with pacing and backtracking specifically. And so this is the kind of feature that would really help to mitigate that. <laughs> and to see it locked behind a toy that will immediately become rare sucks. Yeah, and if it's, like, and if you don't want to immediately jump on it because you're skeptical if you're going to even get the game immediately, then you still have to pay twenty five dollars for it. Yeah, it's uh, like it's either twenty five or more later. Yeah, and and also so, and also here's the thing about Skyward Sword HD too. It is a full priced video game. Nintendo is treating this like a brand new AAA release. It is sixty dollars. Yeah, so if you want the Skyward Sword HD with this quality of life feature, then it's basically an $85 game, which is a game that came out many years ago. Yep, well, it's not. So that's the thing, too. Uh, I I was not planning on getting Skyward Sword HD, because quite frankly, I, I just feel like $60 for that game right now, for what appears to be in that package, does not seem worth it to me. Um, so I was, I was already not on the board, but... I like Amiibo. I like cool Zelda figures. I like the designs of that game. Uh, so I saw this Amiibo and I thought it looked rad. So they, it went up. I think Wario64 tweeted about it. I was like, oh, cool. It's up. Oh, it's super expensive. Why? Uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to get the Amiibo anyway because I like the figure. It's cool. Um, after tax and shipping, that thing is $30. So so it's not $85. It might, it's probably a $90 video game. <laughs> Yeah, I did the same thing. I like the figure and uh, have not pre-ordered Skyward Sword, but I did just get pre-order the figure. And yeah, after that, with the shipping and whatnot, is thirty bucks. I'm like, oh goodness, this is, you know, I'm gonna, I might end up waiting on a price drop for the game, but like, yikes. Yeah, that's pretty rough. It's not a great look, <laughs> like. Yeah, it, this is a game that is sorely in need of quality of life updates and features, and so to see this, it was just really disheartening. Like, I, I really, I, I, 
I don't know. It's it's a it's a bummer. That's all. <laughs> like it's a cool S yeah, figure. If but if you really are like bummed about this feature being twenty five dollars, then amiibo spoofing is actually like pretty easy nowadays. So I'd probably recommend going that route if you don't want to spend twenty five dollars on a quality of life feature. But yeah, not a great look. Also, quite frankly. If you don't want to play a, maybe a slightly fuzzier one with motion controls, I'm pretty sure this game is like 20 bucks on Wii U, if you still have one of those. Oh, yeah, digitally it's 20 bucks. If you find a physical copy, I think it's like 35 but like that's still not bad. Yeah, go grab that game digitally. It's a good game, it's worth playing. Uh, they don't appear to be updating too much about this re-release, so honestly... <laughs> I would go grab the Other Wii One and I taking would... the motion controls out, but yeah. that's something... But if you're going to do that, do that now, because there's no chance Nintendo does not delist that. <laughs> they are going to delist that so hard. Yeah, the digital ones. Yeah, for sure. Because they did that for all their other releases, which is shitty. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, the Summer Game Fest has a start date now. June 10th, day before Ratchet. Uh, if you don't remember what the Summer Games Fest was last year, I wouldn't blame you because it was kind of all over the place. But that's essentially like Jeff Keighley's big, like, here's all the video game companies making announcements over the summer. Um, so not E3. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Jeff Keighley's uh, screw E3, E3. <laughs> um, which you this know. one, Okay, so I do remember this last year because they gave out a bunch of... Uh, early access steam demos was that this one yeah so and they've been doing that for a couple years which is super cool yeah so this is where i played the system shock remake demo before that got thrown into the abyss i'm sure yeah and so what Summerfest is it's not just one presentation or conference it's it's like mini spread across different publishers it's honestly what it really is is it's like a glorified calendar <laughs> It's like, here's our opening thing, and that's the actual thing, but then here's the other Summerfest events. It's EA's thing, and Ubisoft's thing, and Sony's thing, and it's... I mean, whatever. It's fine. It's like branding across everything. Um, but, you know, they listed the companies that are part of it, which part of that's a little confusing, because they list some companies that are the same company. Did you notice that? <laughs> like, on the page, they list, like, Epic Games and Psyonix, even though Epic owns Psyonix. Yeah, that seems weird. Which is a little weird. Um, among those listings is Activision, so you know, uh, you know, totally uh, realistic expectations over here. Activision um, not been treating their older IPs great of the last couple months, uh, but last year at this, this is where they announced Tony Hawk and Crash Bandicoot Four. So you so... know. So what you're saying is that they're not going to announce Spyro. Look, I, Phoenix has been developing it. It'll. <laughs> they don't yeah, want to throw away all that work. We're both very, very hopeful that Spyro comes back. <sighs> Activision. Come on, Activision. You assholes, why? Give us the dragon back. Yeah, anyway, this is just video game conferences and events. I I love these things. I, they're dumb, they're marketing, but I think they're fun. Um, you know, there's a certain pop and circumstance to stupid video game announcements that I enjoy. Um, 
So, you know, it's it's more E3, basically. You're going to get E3, you're going to get this, and then you're going to get E3 at the same time. So, cool. And there might be some overlap there. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to talk about Warner Bros.? Yeah, sure. This is uh, Warner Brothers Studios. Was it the whole studios breaking up or the... I This is confusing me. This story makes my head spin because I don't understand what they're doing or why. Like, I read, I read the reasoning for it in the article, but I don't... Like, I'm not comprehending it, I guess. Like, I don't see the why. Um, we'll put a link to the article if you want to figure that out for yourself. The AT&T, I guess, is trying to spin off something and make a streaming something so they Um, yeah at&t is warner bros parent company yeah along with stuff like hbo and whatnot so right so they want to sell that stuff to discovery i don't know it's it's wild (laughs) i don't understand but yeah so yeah the reason we're covering it here on the on the video game podcast is that it splits up all of the warner brothers game teams which we've seen do stuff like the Batman games and whatnot. So uh, it's not clear what happens where, but they were saying it's going to split some of them between that are leaving or staying with Warner brothers or AT&T or um, literally no clarification on this stuff, by the way. Yeah. But the studios are kind of being thrown around because of this. So that's not great to hear about. (laughs) No, it's really nerve wracking. Honestly, um, there was a lot of talk last year of them, or maybe it was early this year, I don't know, time and quarantine is rough, <laughs> about those studios being potentially sold off. And the thing that like doesn't work about that is people, like people were like, oh, Microsoft will buy them, or Sony will buy, you know, Rocksteady who makes Batman or whatever. But like, I think the thing people don't realize is they wouldn't get those licensed properties with those studios, <laughs> which, you know, yeah, decreases like, the, the value thing- quite a bit. The best you can hope for is Rocksteady makes something similar with a different IP, but you're not going to get a new Batman game. Yeah, you're not. You don't. You don't get Batman video games license with Rocksteady. You don't get Harry Potter with Avalanche or, you know, the Myriad Lego game licenses if you buy TT Games. Um, the only one you would get, which is super valuable, would be if you got Nether Realm, you'd get Mortal Kombat, which, you know that would but that's the only one that makes a lot of sense like everything else is like what <laughs> well and mortal Kombat, as of late has been doing some of those movie tie-in characters which you also probably wouldn't get <laughs> that's true but you know mortal Kombat is one of those series that's like on the level of you know, a mario or whatever <laughs> yeah it's pretty ubiquitous yeah so so that that's the only one that i could see like yeah microsoft might go for that but, you know, like, would they go for Monolith Soft, who's been making those Lord of the Ring games? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Was Monolith Soft also the one making Xenoblade? No. There are two Monoliths. Yeah, oh, there's the God. Japanese Monolith, and then there's one here. Oh, good. Thanks. Well, I believe Thanks they used to games. make <laughs> those, like, first-person shooters back in the day. Like, those, what are they called? The spy ones. No one lives forever. Right? And Blood? I think they made Blood, too. I have no idea. <laughs> these these are, these are I'm pulling facts from YouTube videos I've watched once. <laughs> they used <laughs> to right, make classic yeah. first-person shooters, and uh, they make, like, Lord of the Rings action games. Um, they're the ones who did the Nemesis systems and all that. 
um you know so a good studio like they've made quality stuff but yeah but it's a different monolith yeah i think one of them's monolith soft and the other one's monolith productions there's also two avalanche studios <laughs> like oh, there's the avalanche who's making People, that harry together. potter game and who made disney infinity and then there's avalanche who made who's, who makes just cause and uh bad max and stuff so it's it's all a mess people get it together yeah it, it's it's all a mess um anyway you want to talk about more ratchet and clank ratchet and clank yeah ratchet and clank they detailed their accessibility options you know nothing to say here except they're doing a lot of them which is great um you know whole, whole banger stuff out there they talk specifically about you know having a ton of different difficulty options and um you know, having contrast settings and uh they're allowing they're doing this this bit's cool where they allow you to have different shaders for different parts of the game so you could like make your character and friendly characters shaded a different color and enemies shaded a specific color and collectibles and the environment which is super cool um yeah that was something we praised the hell out of when we reviewed last of us 2 so really good to see more stuff like that um and then also, you know, the ability to turn off some of the DualSense features if, um, or like remap controls, I'm sure is probably in there. So like, yeah, very, very good stuff to have. Yeah. And apologies. Uh, the article we have is the Kotaku one. There's a bunch of different articles. We're detailing different aspects of this from different websites. So that's just the one I pulled. But there's some other stuff that's been talked about. Like you could play the game at, I think, half speed if you want. Which oh, that's is, really nice. Yeah, which is awesome. Like... Like, it's just, like, stuff like that that's super inventive and, like, yeah, that's that makes sense for, like, what is a hectic action game at times. Like, totally, that's totally logical. Um, yeah, and if, and the thing about accessibility features is even if it means w- one more person can play the game, then it was worth making. Yes. And I believe, so, don't quote on me on this, but uh, I believe I did see somewhere that none of these would affect trophies. Perfect. So you don't got to worry very about good. that. Yeah. So, excellent. Uh, that game continues to be the most exciting new video game release. <laughs> so excited. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about our big topic this week. Big topic, small topic. Um, <clears throat> you know, we just kind of threw this together last minute, so we want to talk about... What we want to talk about now is satisfying game mechanics. Um, and I, I named this enjoying the little things. So what I, I'm picturing this as like getting that little bit of dopamine... Um, for specific, like specific things you do. Um, the first example that came to mind for me was active reload from Gears of War, which you never you've never played those, have you? No, I own them and have been meaning to play the trilogy, but I have not. So active reload, it's like it's like somebody looked at reloading and shooters and went, "That's boring. What if we added a little mechanic to that?" So what it is, it's, it's basically a baked-in quick-time event where uh, below your ammo counter, every time you reload, there'll be a bar that goes across. And there's a spot on that bar that if you hit it directly as it passes over, you reload super quick and you get a little extra damage in the first couple shots in your magazine. And it is oh, one of the really... most satisfying for... mechanics ever. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of getting like the turbo boosts in CTR. Yeah, it is a lot like that. Uh, Only for a shooter. That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It doesn't slow down the gameplay at all. You just you hit the reload. It's 
you hit the reload button to initiate it and then you hit the reload button again to to, to do it um you know it, it, it's it's still skill based like if you miss it you take a little bit longer to reload you get you, you know you, there's a little bit of a punishment there not so much that it makes it not worth doing but just enough to make it exciting uh very smart that's that's one of the coolest like little game mechanics i've ever seen so why don't you give me one that you you thinking of um i was thinking mainly just like things that are just satisfying to do or make you just feel good to pull off um and the first thing that came to mind for me was just all of mario odyssey (laughs) which is a little cheating but every like movement in that game is so satisfying to do and it's really satisfying to just chain moves together so much so that like every time i replay that game which has been quite a few times now it i always try and do the game in a different order or like try to do challenges in different ways where the game mechanics just allow you to do that if you're good enough so i just love the amount of freedom that a move set like that can give you and it's very satisfying to pull off yeah it's great i think one of the great things about that game is like the the animation of the kick up of dust when you're running around yeah yeah and then like when you boost on your roll and it has that kick up of um debris or whatever and then just the satisfying like sound effects when you execute the cap throw and the nice rhythm of it and yeah it's very very satisfying yeah and that's the thing about mechanics like this and even the active reload and a bunch of the other ones we're going to talk about a lot of these kind of deliver on all fronts where it's like using every aspect you think of where it's like important for gameplay but also like got satisfying animation Uh, a lot of these incorporate like rumble in an interesting way or sound uh yeah, really good sound design on a lot of these. Why yeah. don't you give me another one? So speaking of really good sound design and rumble, let's talk about the Leviathan Axe in God of War 2018 specifically. Uh, you know, we all talk about like the dual sense and the haptic feedback and how good that can be, and that's great, but like, how fucking mind-blowing was it throwing that axe around a God of War and having just that little tiny bit of vibration every time he caught it? <laughs> Yeah, very, just feels heavy, just, oof, got it. Like, that's very, very good. Yeah, and the sound of, like, listening to it, like, when you throw it, it just has that, like, good, like, thunk sound when you throw it into things. Uh, One of my favorite things about that game is you could just leave it a place and, like, walk away for a while, and then when you call it back, you can hear it messing up the environment as it flies towards you. Uh or, or like, it's I like, love, you know, fighting enemies with it and then, like, calling it back to you and having it hit enemies on the backswing. You know, very much like Thor's hammer. I'm sure that's what they were going for. Um, yeah, but it's like that bit in Thor Ragnarok where he calls his hammer and has to wait for it to come back yeah. and start breaking everything. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so great to do. Yeah, another one of these that kind of delivers on all aspects of, of the game design. It's, it's very cool to look at. It sounds great. It's, you know, got that haptic feedback vibe to it it's 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 just great Leviathan X is like a 10 out of 10 weapon uh do you have another one you want to share yeah so kind of on that feeling of just very satisfying very visceral feeling movement uh it's parrying in any of the souls games (laughs) oh Dude, a good parry. Like in almost any video game. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, I love a good I, parry. He's playing Fury. Fury has a great parry. But the one I really wanted to point out was Souls games, specifically like Demon Souls and Dark Souls, where you, if you have a parry shield, you can push it the moment an enemy attacks you, and it makes this very satisfying boom, and then like time slows down just a little bit yep. and then when you when you push the repost button just any of your attack buttons it does an extremely brutal and satisfying like attack that most of the weak enemies just die from it's extremely satisfying to pull off and again it has kind of a difficult timing to master so it feels that much more satisfying when you do land it and yeah all of the aspects there work for it yeah, I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion, if you're making a melee action game, you should probably have a parry and a dash mechanic. Like, you should probably be able to, uh, you know, dash around a parry. Like, I always love that in Assassin's Creed or, you know, whatever. Just like, and you're right, that slowdown is so satisfying. Yeah, on that same note, just dodging in Bayonetta, mm-hmm. like, has that same very visceral feeling of that last moment movement and you get that slowdown in time and... Yeah, a lot of Platinum games do that really well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of parrying, I have Ghost Runner on here, and that's got a good parry as well. But also, I, I just kind of feel like the feeling of being able to keep up your momentum while you are taking care of enemies, like, that game does a very good job of feeling like you can just flick through enemies like they're nothing while you're on the run. And just pulling that off is the most satisfying, like, Okay, while running, jump on this ledge. Oh, there's a dude there, slice, jump on the next ledge, keep moving. Like, it just feels so good in there. Yeah, this I think also applies to something like Katana Zero, which also feels very similar, and the Scythe Dash in Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment. Yeah. Where it adds an attack in addition to a forward dash, in addition to other movements. So you can wall run, jump and then slice through something. Uh, I don't think you can wall run in Katana Zero, but you can in Ghost Runner and Spectre of Torment, where chaining all those moves together, like we said with Mario Odyssey, is really satisfying to pull off. But yeah, also having that visceral just destroying an enemy in between those is very nice. Yeah, I would also throw Titanfall into that mix as well. Oh yes, Titanfall as well. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? I, I have Call of Duty on here for a very specific one, but just Call of Duty in general... Uh, I, I think those games have a perfect ADS mechanic. Like, I think ADSing in those games, it has enough auto-aim to make sure you can do it well on a controller, but also not enough to make it feel like the game's doing it for you. And that has no. always been very satisfying to me. You want to share what ADS means? Aim down sights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, ADSing in first-person shooters, that's a that's what that's being referred to. Uh, but sp- the specific Call of Duty what I have on here, and I don't know if, like, Modern Call of Duty's, I don't think I have this weapon anymore, but the one I remember it in the most is Modern Warfare 2. Uh, and specifically, it's the grenade launcher in that game, which, if you played that game, you knew it as the noob tube. <laughs> uh, and the thing about it, we talk about the sound. The sound of the noob tube was so good. Because it had that, like, funk, like, whether you would fire it. Oh, it's so it. perfect. Yeah, it, it had this perfect sound. And the thing about it is, sure, it's a grenade launcher. It'll explode on impact or whatever, splash damage. But the splash damage for that thing wasn't good. The thing about that 
about that gun is if you hit another player straight on with the grenade, it would kill them instantly and it wouldn't explode. So you just get this <laughs> thunk, oh, and then they fall over. You just hit them with a rock, basically. Yeah, it it's just a potato rules. cannon at this point. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite first-person shooter weapons of all time. It's so, it's so insulting. Like it is the most insulting weapon. It's dub, and I loved it. Like, I, I miss it. Bring it back, Call of Duty. <laughs> Bring it back. Oh, another another great first-person shooter one you have on this list is the sticky grenades in Halo. Yeah, another satisfying like. Just, like, nailing your friend with that, <laughs> pissing him off. Yeah, and you just see it. Like, you could kind of, when you throw a grenade in a game, you kind of already predict the arc to it. But just seeing it stop and then still just be this bright, glowing object, you know that they're toast. Like, that's very, very good. Yeah, it's another weapon that, like, technically, like, tactically, it's, you know, probably less valuable than the frag grenades. Because the frag grenades bounce and you can throw them around corners or whatever. But the sticky grenade, it, it just thumps against something. It doesn't bounce at all. So it's it's kind of a lot harder to get a kill with it, but it's, like, so satisfying. Just like the new tube where you're like, I'm just going to do this anyway. Like, I don't care. I don't care if this oh, yeah, is technically if you land worse. It, it's, it's great because when you land it, there's nothing they could do about it. Like, you can't pull it off or it, it's just there. <laughs> you're just done. Yeah, and again, it has, it's that, like, almost embarrassing, like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, you can't get away from it. It's just stuck to you. You're like, all right, well. Yeah, it's, it's in the multiplayer game where it's just like, you know that person's furious. It's great. <laughs> um, uh, why don't you talk to me about Hotline Miami? Because that's a good one. Oh, man. every like I struggled thinking about Hotline Miami because everything in that game is so punchy and satisfying. Um, the one I almost went with was there's a mask that you can equip in, I believe, the first game where it turns all of your punches into instant kills <laughs> and that one's very satisfying and it's probably my favorite one because you just run up on them and immediately pulverize them into just red splatters um also on that very satisfying just sound and gameplay animation is slamming a door on someone yes <laughs> if an enemy is nearby a door where it would swing open your character automatically just kicks all doors open so they open with such force that it'll knock them down and then if you have that one hit melee option or the mask that turns all door slams in into one hit kills it just splatters them across the floor it's very satisfying to do god maybe you want to play hotline miami again i know i always want to play hotline miami um also on that note is like ape out getting Yep. an enemy to shoot one of their teammates is very nice to do ape out's also a very good game yep it is um i put tony hawk grinding on here specifically for me it is the grinding like like but it really is just being able to carry through a combo but like the grinding bit of that just finding a good like combo line with a lot of grind in it like that's that's my favorite shit i love that so much um, I think we talked about this in the episode, but my favorite stage is the mall in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 because it's just like a full straight down grinding. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I mean, there's also something very nice, very visceral about just seeing the number constantly scrolling up on the screen. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, again, it's that sound, like the, the sound and the animation of the sparks, like it just feels cool. And that's that's a very that's very nice, or at least until you fuck it up and then your character falls. 
oh yeah you just eat shit on the floor <laughs> yeah yeah totally um i don't know do you have any more um i want to talk about the metal gear rising revengeance with electrolyte grab oh yes yes this is just this isn't even really like player feedback good response it's just the it's animation just and the sound it's just good um metal gear rising you have the ability to freely cut enemies in whatever direction you want um you'd like and when you get your meter full you slow down time to do it and if you cut a specific square on their body then it'll open up to where you could just grab like this pouch of electrolytes out of their body and it glows blue but the animation that you just push a button for it so it's not like that same satisfying like butt to pull off because you just slice and push a button but the animation where Raiden will just reach into them grab it and then just as he lands back on the he'll like do a flip grab it out of their body land and then just crush it and it splatters all over him so satisfying yeah yeah come on make a make a second one you cowards in the dlc where you play as jetstream sam he'll actually spear it with his sword video game (laughs) oh my god i love that game it's so dumb um jetstream sam will spear the electrolytes and then just squeeze it off of his sword it's very it's so great that's that's great um i have it here like getting critical hits in resident evil games um because resident evil enemies typically zombies are very they're very meaty they take a lot of ammo in most of the games but every once in a while you get a headshot and the head will just explode (laughs) and it's the most like yeah, fuck oh, you. I love a good headshot. Fuck you. Gears of War also has a great headshot. Gears of War one too is like you could tell they just straight up smashed a big ass watermelon. <laughs> yeah, this is so good. Disgusting and out of context. That was a bad sentence. Oh, but how could we go this long and not talk about glory kills and doom? Also talk very about good. Just yeah, satisfying and man, the sound design. I was talking about this with someone else, but the sound design for that game specifically the glory kill for the mancubus <laughs> have you heard about this <laughs> where to make the sound they slathered a steak and honey stuffed it into a vuvuzela and then blew it into a vat of cold soup <laughs> <laughs> that's great and that is a good sound effect <laughs> that's really good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some simple, like, universal ones. Like, I'm a big fan of a good shotgun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got a good shotgun. Wolfenstein has a good shotgun. Yeah. Doom has a good shotgun. <laughs> yeah, good shotgun will make me happy. Um, I really like the bow and arrow in The Last of Us games. Like, I feel like that there's a lot of... Because it is, like, one of those weapons that takes a lot of, like... You gotta plan out your shot and, you know, look for the arc and, like the character like they'll get shaky with it if you hold it too long like it's got that like again that risk versus reward thing uh yeah it's got that wind up for it yeah big fan of that uh, landing a headshot with the bow especially especially if you're stealthing around very satisfying yes. to do yeah absolutely um we could go on yeah. and on i'm sure there's tons if you want to just if you want to just tweet at us with your satisfying game mechanic uh i would love that it's at Save Station Pod is our Twitter. Um, where can they find you at? You can find me at Dustin H Dragon. 
Yeah, and I'm at Conifer SSR. Any of those, just tweet us your game, satisfying game mechanics. I'd love to hear about what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as you know, programming updates for the show before we go here, uh, last episode that should be out was Prey, Prey 2006, which was very fun. Um, check that out. It's very 2006. It's great. Um, and the next episode you'll see will be Prey 2017. Uh, ideally, that would be next Saturday as normal, though I, I've been having... Uh, I, so so just to let everybody know uh my work fortunately pays for an adobe subscription for me and that's what i used to edit the podcast uh my subscription ran out and so they're working on renewing that so i don't know when that will be so the pre 2017 episode may be delayed by a couple of days and i apologize for that if that happens in advance i'll do my best to get it up as soon as i can but just, just so everybody knows so so keep an eye out it might be it might not be the saturday like normal so just watch the feed we'll let you know too on twitter yeah if you follow the at save station pod twitter we'll let you know there yep and then after after pre 2017 we will be doing fury which you mentioned earlier uh yeah i talk about this game a lot so I've i'm glad we're doing it. an episode yeah yeah it's so good yeah i'm excited uh it'll be my first time playing it so yeah hopefully you enjoyed it and yeah, hit us up about your your favorite uh, game mechanics. Um, and always, I'd always always remember to be good to each other. Oh yeah, and take care. Bye.